0: In the first season of How We Teach This, we interviewed K-12 teachers and university professors about a variety of subjects related to education. With the challenges brought from the ongoing pandemic, there is an increased need to understand and address students' emotions and their readiness to learn. We are focusing the second season on social-emotional learning and trauma-informed education. I hope you will join us and listen as our guest hosts, the executive members of the Trauma-Informed Club at Emporia State University, ask questions of our guests. The Teachers College at Emporia State University presents how we teach this. We are the executives of the Trauma-Informed
1: Educators Club here at Emporia State University. I'm Maddie Douglas, the president. I'm Allison Hacker, the vice president.
2: And I'm Blake Weber, the treasurer.
1: How is a sense of community important to you as an educator? Dr. Corey Gibson, Superintendent of the Valley Center School District tells us more in this podcast. Our first question for you is related to your leadership as a superintendent. How has your role changed in regards to the pandemic?
3: His role hasn't changed, right? That's the first thing is we've all experienced new things. And, and truly, as I was just talking to someone this morning, um, we learned a lot about ourselves as humans. We learned a lot about ourselves as educators and as systems. And one of the things that we think has is, is truly become more evident is during the pandemic, it kind of put up a mirror and had you reflect on yourself and your habits, but also put up a mirror uh, up against organizations or schools to, to really look at and go, what are we doing? What have we done? And Why have we done that in the past? And so it gave us a chance to pause, uh, reflect on what needs to be looked at. Uh, certainly, it's the most challenging year, I'm certain for every everybody, but certainly for educators who are trying to navigate all these uh, changes and precautions and, and those type of things. Uh, but I think as far as what I've changed the most about is it's truly uh, facilitating a lot of conversations and opportunities for people to, to reflect on our practice and and hope of bridging towards a new future. It has been intense uh, by my no stretch of imagination when March 17th of last year came around and our schools were, were closing and we had a little bit of a hint that was gonna happen. Uh, some of my days began at 3.30 in the morning and didn't go home until four, five, six o'clock in the evening. So um, it was intense and it, it continues to be intense. But that's true for a lot of educators.
2: Yeah, of course, the pandemic obviously put a lot of stress and change on everyone. What's it been like getting to be a teacher, counselor, principal, and now a superintendent? How have these past experiences kind of helped you become a superintendent and just like your view on education? One of the things that that, um, we recognized pretty quickly, or at least I recognized
3: pretty quickly, um, is that how viable and valuable every person is that works in a school setting. And so, if you go back, uh, actually, when I was a high school student, I was a night custodian for an elementary school. And so, my my history begins when I'm 16, uh, working in schools, and and I think watching teachers interact with students, and and certainly talking to teachers, you know, after hours, you might be sweeping their room, and they'd be talking about what their day was like. Probably was the reason I went into education and saw the great impact. Um, and so truly all these opportunities, whether it be a teacher, also as a para for the law, substitute teacher or some, I mean, I've done a lot of things in education. Um, but I think it helps me see through different lenses. So when we make a change at the district level, I'm not just thinking about what's going to do to me as a superintendent or maybe as a principal, I'm thinking about how's it going to impact uh, a para, how's it going to impact a custodian. And certainly it just gives me opportunity to, to bridge those conversations in a little bit different perspective.
4: Yeah, that's crazy that how you what you've been through to get to where you are now. Um switching subjects a little, relationships with students um, in a positive classroom environment create that community amongst schools and classrooms. How important to is a sense of community throughout your school district? And how do schools maintain that sense of community?
3: Yeah, that's a really, really good question. It's complex, right? It's not an easy answer. It's not a program per se. And so, ironically, just this morning, uh, you know, schools in, in Kansas go through a five year accreditation cycle. We're at the end of our accreditation cycle. So, an outside team comes in, looks at it. It's called KISA uh, here in Kansas. But um, an outside team comes and reviews five years of your progress, your data, and, and see where you're working towards uh, and see if you met those objectives. And it was interesting because one of the things that one of the outside visitation team members said to us today was four or five years ago, um, everyone was connected within buildings, and like when they came to visit us, it'd be here's what one building's doing, here's what another building's doing. And it was all good, but just here's what the buildings are doing. Uh, and they said the most remarkable change in his perspective was how we now talk about this as our district, this is our kids. Um, it doesn't matter where you attend, it's ours. And so I think the the key to all that, of course, is just building a community, um, treating each other like a family doesn't mean you don't have squabbles like families do, but treating each other like family, uh, whether it be staff to staff, admin to staff, board to staff, uh, admin to students, and it just keeps going and going. It's just creating that that culture uh, and belief that we are all here to support one another, whether it's an adult or a kid. And I think that's what it stems from. It's how you, it's how you lead, it's how you have conversations and how you make sure we're always improving, but not putting down another group in order to get there. Um, so sometimes in larger districts, you'll have elementary like this elementary wants to outdo this elementary, and certainly it's probably true in the back of their mind, but it's not in the forefront. It's about how we help each kid.
1: I love how you mentioned the importance of building that community as a district and treating everyone like family. That's so important for every student. And as we know, trauma informed practices also help students build these supports and skills among their peers. So what is your thoughts on trauma-informed education? And do you see your district implementing these practices in the future? I'm sure that you are familiar with ACEs, but for those of you listening to this podcast, ACEs stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences.
3: That's a really good question as well. And and the reality is that trauma-informed and trauma-acknowledged situations uh, have been in case forever so this is not a new concern it may be a new catchphrase or a term but we've always known that students are coming from different environments um, and those environments may lead to additional stress which is where the trauma-informed comes into play when you look at aces scores or their background or or things like that we've always known that and it's I, i think it's it's it was late but we're finally there of at least acknowledging that students carry this all in their bag literally and figuratively into the school setting each day. Um, So in our district, uh, we continue to have conversations about social emotional care uh, as adults, because if your adults are in stressed out uh, scenarios all day, it obviously plays out in the classroom as well. Um, We've been really fortunate uh, to receive a couple grants in recent years. So we have a direct partnership now with our central county, what's called ComCare which is a mental health or, or, or safety net uh, for families who may need it. And so we have boots on the ground from them in our schools every day. And so they're working with kids directly. Uh, when, when the counselor says, you know, I'm, I'm, I've tried everything I know to do, but it seems to be broader than this. It's either a home environment or things out in the community or, or other possible traumas in their life that need more support. Um, They bring in the specialists. Um, It makes it a lot more convenient for families who necessarily don't have to drive to an intake or drive into Wichita to get it. It happens on our school site. And so we continue to expand that. In fact, Monday night, the board approved that all of our buildings will now be covered. Uh, We've doubled the number of counselors in about five years. We've now have uh, tripled the number of social workers um, to help meet those objectives and then keep on uh, informing our teachers on what to look out for and then also be accommodating in those circumstances uh, for, the, for those students. Side note, we know that mental health is important, but physical health is as well. And those go sides, uh, you know, they coincide, particularly in trauma-informed situations. So just in, in February, we opened up through a partnership of KU Med and Wesley Medical Group, uh, which is a hospital in Wichita. We opened up an on-site clinic. So now we have doctors who also can help support the physical health of our students as well as need be.
2: So awesome what you guys are doing in bridging the physical wellness and then also the social emotional wellness by having those partnerships out in the community that it's bigger than, bigger than the school. So that's just inspiring. And I think that's a great, great step in moving forward. So obviously social emotional learning is is very important as we have established. So how has like implementing uh, social emotional learning practices changed due to the pandemic and how are teachers in the school district still ensuring that students social emotional learning needs are being met, like if they're learning remotely. Yeah, that's, a, that's
3: another uh, another challenge that was presented early on because honestly, when we sent kids home, we cared greatly about their educational needs. But the first and foremost concern we had was those students who whether it be uh, food issues, abuse issues that we, we kind of lost direct contact on a regular basis, you know, last spring. And so I know that a lot of teachers were disappointed that we couldn't instruct like we had, but they were more concerned about what other supports that they'd only put in place for those students. So um, we quickly pivoted uh, last spring, we continued early this fall, when we had to go remote for just a short while. um, In that all of our social workers, counselors and so forth, made sure we were connecting with every single student individually every day as just kind of a check-in. And when, when there things didn't feel right or we didn't have contact, that's when the counselors and social workers would jump in and say, you know what, let's do a site visit, let's go to the home, let's call parents, let's find out what's going on to help provide support. Um, and so those are the type of things that we had to kind of pivot or change to uh, this year, as we would kind of call it telemedicine, because that's an overarching term, but it really was. We went through virtual to make sure we still connecting and, and checking in on kids and meeting their needs. And then at what point we felt a little bit safer, which was late last summer, Um, we would actually allow the students to come on site to get those services and get support directly as need be so our counselors are wonderful they open up the doors social workers are great they open up the doors. say hey meet me blank and the families would bring them up and they would continue their services if they need them
1: it's amazing that during such an unforeseen time you put your students first and you made sure their needs were met so moving forward how do you see education as a whole changing due to the pandemic And in what ways do you feel the pandemic has positively impacted education?
3: Well, those things I don't know if we're going to know for a while. Um, You know, it's it's one of those things that we've talked about. Our leadership team just last month talked about here are our greatest challenges. Here's what we've learned about ourselves and our schools and our kids and our teachers during this last year. And then here are some practices we're going to stop doing as a result. We'll never do it this way again. Here's some things we need to start doing that we've, we've learned. And so i think back um, about seven years ago uh, i was hired here in valley center superintendent nine years ago so about seven seven and a half years ago the the board asked me to project what i thought education would be like in valley center in 2020 certainly it didn't look exactly what happened last spring but they had me project on what i thought it may look like so i made predictions on growth uh which has been about accurate <laughs> uh, we made projections on the number of staff needed to help support our kids and social emotional which has turned out to be fairly accurate but one of the predictions i had made of what i thought would happen in 2020 actually happened but differently i projected or or thought that we would have a ton more virtual kids uh, options uh, in 2020. not because of the pandemic but i just had this notion several years ago that that's how education would start to turn as we you start doing this uh, type of conversations more often and everyone would be at home or some kids will be at home. And what we've recognized um, is that that probably works for a certain segment of our population. I don't know what that number is. Maybe it's 5% that actually grow uh, as a result of, of less distractions in person and more focus on a, on a screen versus uh, all the distractions in the classroom. But what we've learned is, um, Our kids are eager. Uh, Our students are eager to get back in classrooms. And and we're in a phase in process where all students are coming back. We've been in hybrid back and forth there every day for most of the year for secondary, but now they're all phasing in um, uh, by every two week intervals. So we'll have everyone back by the end of this month and and things will quote, feel normal uh, with course precautions in place. And so uh, one of the things that we've learned is that for adults, the medium we're using here today actually out to be a positive so you know when we do an iep meeting we did it to zoom starting last spring most most of our parents want that now and so uh, when we do a site council or a pto meeting we do it through zoom and once again adults are very you know families are very busy but we found that our participation and engagement uh, even at things like parent teacher conferences it's much greater if we say, hey, would you pop in a zoom for 10 minutes versus would you drive up to the building, would you wait in line for your turn, would you come into the classroom here for 10 minutes then get currently. And so one of the things we've learned is our engagement needs to be more mobile and more accessible through virtual means. But on the opposite side, uh, even though there's some positive virtual learning, uh, true virtual learning for most kids didn't seem to be as effective, nor did they like it, you know it's typical on a winter day that. Uh, I'll get a thousand tweets, not literally, but it feels like it, from kids encouraging me to cancel school, close school. Um, That didn't happen this year, Uh, even when we were in hybrid mode because students wanted to be at school. They missed that interaction with each other and their teachers, and so I think we learned a lot about the importance of social learning, Uh, and we think about learning. It's all social. It's about making the connection with another human being, connecting. Uh, building that connection into a, a learning opportunity and then and moving on. So, uh, there's some other things that we've learned about, you know, that, um, that we'd be much more strategic about. So, when we're bringing students in, we're much more calculated what that looks like. Um, and so, that means that when new students come in, we'll probably be more calculated how they're integrated into to school as well. And so, we've learned a lot about our systems. There's some things that we we certainly um, think, oh, this is really good. There's some things like, oh, I hope we never have to do that again.
4: Yeah, we've definitely all had to learn a lot, definitely. And this, I think this pandemic has definitely changed um, education for the long run. It has had its positive and negative effects um, on teachers and students, um, like you mentioned. What advice would you give to pre-service teachers, like the three of us, um, who are entering the classroom at this time?
3: Well, first off, kudos to you. (laughs) You've chosen the best job on the planet. Um, it truly is. And, and I joked about, you know, being custodian sub and teacher and principal and all these things, I can also say not one of those jobs I dislike, not one of them. I love being a custodian. Maybe when I retire, maybe I go back and, and sleep classrooms. I'm not sure. Um, but I love being a teacher. And I remember, you know, when I, when I became a teacher, my, my grandpa, uh, had a, a lake home and he and I were fishing after my first full year. So that summer after my first full year of teaching. And he said, so what do you see yourself doing? And I said, this is it. I'm gonna be teacher for life. Uh, I can't imagine, I can't believe they're paying me for this. I get to go to work, I get to have fun, I get to be creative, get to work with kids. Um, This is the best job on the planet. Obviously, uh, I I went a different route, not because I disliked it, but opportunities presented themselves. And so um, I think the biggest thing is, is, as you've all recognized uh, through your conversation today, is recognizing the different needs our students have is mission critical. Uh, Not assuming what their environments are or not outside of our setting uh, is mission critical. And bridging that connection not only with students and kids, but keeping your connection to Emporia State, keeping your connection with one another and your peers. Um, Learning doesn't stop in education ever. Uh, We're always continuously learning. So I commend you for choosing this occupation. It is the best. I don't care uh, what position you choose to take or where it's at, uh, it is the best place to work is in a school setting working with kids
4: yes and shout out to custodians everywhere you could be superintendent one day (laughs) Um, Well, Cory we thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today and we appreciate your leadership and all that you are doing in education we know you will continue to make an impact and difference in the lives of students and teachers thank you
0: You can find more episodes of How We Teach This on your favorite podcast platform.
3: This episode of How We Teach This is sponsored by ESU's Social Emotional Learning Certificate, addressing the need for trauma informed learning environments. ESU's 18-credit hour certificate in social-emotional learning and psychological well-being is now available. The program's goals are to further educators, mental health professionals, and others in the science of social-emotional learning, development, and interventions. Learn more at www.emporia.edu.
4: www.emporia.edu.
0: you for listening to How We Teach This, a podcast sponsored by the Teachers College at Emporia State University. I want to offer special thanks to Dr. Zenny Colorado, Terry Kaiser, and our intern Matilda Asame. plus season two guest student hosts from the Trauma-Informed Educators Club, Maddie Douglas, Allison Haker, and Blake Weber. We also want to offer special recognition and appreciation to Melissa Grohlman instructor in the teacher's college here at Emporia State University. She has experience helping educators understand the impact that trauma has on students and the value of implementing strategies that emphasize social emotional learning in the classroom. She has been an essential part of producing season two of this podcast by connecting us with Kansas experts on the topic We hope you will share this podcast with others in education who might be interested in being inspired and motivated to make positive changes in their school and classroom. You've been listening to How We Teach This. I'm Christy Dugan, and I'm wishing you a school year filled with moments of awe and love of learning.